as I saw the video, I saw one actor get on the stage to entertain people. Another actor got on the stage to slap him for making a joke about his wife. Chris Rock said, I love you, Jada. Can't wait for G.I. Jane 2. At first, Will Smith laughed, but when he saw the face of his bride, Drew, he quickly became a man of courage and mounted the stage and took the laugh out of his mouth. You see, this was a move that went beyond a reality in the world of Chris Rock because Chris Rock said, Will, just slap me. In fact, for Will Smith, this was also an act that was beyond his reality. In fact, he took to Twitter and Instagram to publicly apologize. And he put together a letter. And when you read the letter, you discover that it has a beyond reality language. Notice what Mr. Smith is saying. Violence in all its forms is poisonous and destructive. My behavior at last night's Academy Awards was unacceptable and inexcusable. Jokes at my expense are part of the job. But a joke about Jada's medical condition was too much for me to bear, and I reacted emotionally. I would like to publicly apologize to you, Chris. I was out of line, and I was wrong. I'm embarrassed, and my actions were not indicative of the man I want to be. There's no place for violence in a world of love and kindness. I had to laugh right there. Will Smith describes the world as a world of love and kindness. Uh, let's just look at Ukraine for a second. That don't look like love and kindness to me. I don't know about you. I'd also like to apologize to the Academy, the producers of the show, all the attendees and everyone watching around the world. I would like to apologize to the Williams family and my King Richard family. I'm deeply, I deeply regret that my behavior has stained what has been an otherwise gorgeous journey for all of us. I'm a work in progress. Sincerely, Will. Here we have two men who are in disbelief, Brother Ernest. One man is in disbelief because he got slapped for making a joke. Another man is in disbelief because he slapped somebody. Uh, to me, I see that they're living in a tension that they are, this is the cardica, beyond reality. I would like to suggest to you that that is where faith ought to live. That is where your faith has to function at. Uh, that is how your faith should look like. It should be beyond reality. It shouldn't be breaking news for amazing things to happen in your life. Come on, somebody. Talk back to me if you can. You shouldn't have to apologize for the fact that the money came on time. 
You shouldn't have to apologize because your disease was healed. You shouldn't have to apologize because you are able to make it to the end of the year. Are you with me, somebody? Yeah, but I'm afraid, y'all, that we are too realistic. And whatever we may call faith may simply be unbelief. Oh, yeah, let me talk to you for a moment. You see, some of us, when we are counting the debit and the credit, and we are seeing that the budget is a little bit off, we don't have enough faith to give back to God. Some of us, when the plan is not working out because we have married our dreams to it, we have married our hopes to it, when it doesn't happen, we divorce God. Come on, somebody, talk back to me if you can. Uh, for, for some of us, we believe that the pill is the way to our healing. For some of us, we believe that if we can only get the certification, if we can only get the strategy, then we are going to be right there. But I, I'm afraid to let you know that sometimes, because we don't truly believe what God can do, uh, we are stuck in reality. Oh yeah, Brother Malolo, reality is real. Some of us are dealing with real problems. Do you got problems today? <laughs> we got real problems. We have real unpaid bills. We got real unmet needs. We got real, uh, real issues that are going on. And so sometimes, Sister Bessie, when we look at the reality and the, 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 the things that God is saying, it doesn't match. It doesn't coincide. It doesn't look like what God is saying is going to be real. So, so, so we, we say, you know what? God walked on water in the past. He can't do that today. We, we demote the, the drying of the Red Sea to the Moses generation. Uh, we, we are like, look, Jericho walls fell because it happened in the time of Joshua. Oh yeah, that widow who didn't have food. And then a prophet came to her house and fed her. Yeah, that, that's the thing of the past. Uh, we got bills today. Uh, we, we got COVID today. Uh, we, we got issues today. I don't think that God can operate in this situation. And so some of us are stuck to our reality. Uh, but today I came to challenge us as I'm beginning a new series. That you got to learn to live beyond reality. I, I'm here to let you know that faith functions best when it supersedes reality and unless you get to that place uh, you will never truly live the life of faith and so if you got your bibles kindly turn with me to the book of isaiah uh, we're going to spend a lot of time here and if you don't mind kindly stand with me as we read the word of scripture together for the next couple of weeks we are going to rotate in isaiah and if you're a good bible student i encourage you to read for yourself what I'm going to be going through today is Isaiah chapter 6, tomorrow, next week, not tomorrow, <laughs> and next week is going to be Isaiah chapter 7, and you can just follow along week to week. So kindly stand with me as we read the word of Scripture. <clears throat> I, I'm so kind. Can you say amen, amen for that? Because I put this scripture on the scripture on the screen, but I hope that you're going to open up your Bibles. Amen. All right, let us read together the word. And notice what the text says. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. Lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim were standing above him, each having six wings. In Bahasa we say, Nam. Six wings with dua 
each covered his face. Dengandua, each covered his feet. And Dengandua, each flew. Are you impressed with my little Bahasa? Number, number, number three says, and one called out to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, woe to me, for I am ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips. And that includes women too. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with the burning coal in his hand, which taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, behold, I'm going to enjoy this one in a little while. Behold, this has touched your lips. And your guilt is taken away and atonement is made for your sin. Check this. It won't start until it dies. It won't start until it dies. Let us pray. Father God, thank you. We're about to engage in holy things right now. And we need a dose of holiness from you to comprehend what we're about to listen to. My my utmost prayer is that you you would be with me so that I can... Speak the truth with clarity and power and conviction. And that somebody here is going to leave knowing Jesus a little bit better than yesterday. This is my prayer. This is my hope. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Isaiah chapter 6 presents an encounter of a man with God. When you comb through the pages of scripture, you will find uh, men and women who encountered God. Uh, come on, yo, who can forget about Moses at the burning bush? Who can forget about Job, who after he lost everything, uh, he said, I had heard of you with my ears, but now I have seen you with my eyes. Who can forget about Peter, uh, when after catching fish, he said, Lord, depart from me because I'm a, I'm a sinful man. Who can forget about Paul there in the deserts of Arabia in Galatians chapter 2 when he says, I saw the Lord. In fact, on the way to Damascus, we know that Paul met Jesus and he had an encounter with God. When you're going through these encounters with God, and the good news is this, God wants to encounter you. Amen. When you're going through these encounters with God, let's not get it twisted that we are to elevate these people. Because somehow, Sister Audrey, we we think Moses is better than me. We think Paul is better than me. We think Job is better than me because they're in the scriptures. But the last time that I checked that all men, whether Indonesian or, or, or Malawian or American, are the same. Okay? You didn't get that? But hopefully, you're going to get it in a minute. The encounter that we read in the scripture is not meant to give glory to a man. It's simply meant to glorify God. And right here, when we are looking at the situation of Isaiah, what is the message being communicated? The message is that death is real. 
And when you comb through this story in Isaiah chapter 6, what you discover is that we have death all over. There is a death of a king. In verse 5, we see that the prophet himself is under a death sentence. And then in verse number 8, we see that a sacrificial animal is killed. And in verse number 13, shows us that a tree has been cut. And right here, the message when we read about Isaiah is not somebody who saw God, but it's somebody who was under the threat of death, but was there able to see God. I'm trying to help you to understand something in your life today. You see, death doesn't have the final word. God does. You see, some of us think that when something has died, it's over. Oh, yeah, death is real. Death is real. And the thing I love about this text, it lets me know is that when things have died in my life, and Sister Audrey, you talked about the death of your, of your uncle, that is real. And God doesn't expect you to be cold about that. God doesn't expect you not to cry. Are you feeling what I'm saying? God expects you to be in touch with your situations. So I will never tell you, oh, get over it. I'll never tell you, oh, be strong about it. No, I will say that is your uh, existence. That is your reality. In fact, when things die, it should let you know, hey, I'm human. <laughs> Are you feeling what I'm saying? Because some of us feel like, well, something has died, so I'm going to throw a party. I've been reading a lot these days, and uh, people are having parties over sad things. Uh, these days, people have divorce parties. After they file, sign the papers, they call their friends, and they have the divorce party. No, no, no. The text says there is a time to cry. Are you feeling what I'm saying? There is a time to be sad. So if you're in a situation today that is challenging, that is difficult, that's, that's okay. And God is right there with you. And right here the text says in the year that King Uzziah died, the text says Isaiah saw the Lord. Because Isaiah is letting us know that death doesn't have the final word. I know it has died. I know that you feel like it's the last chapter in your life. I know that you feel like you'll never come back. But I'm here to let you know that that is not the final word on your life. Amen, somebody. Okay, you're not feeling me yet, so it's all right. You're, you're, you're trying to make me work hard today. Your amens are far, few, and in between. But I hope we're going to get there today. Allow me to let you know that the, the, the system of belief that you have has the final word on your life. When you look at the cross of Jesus, that is the final word on your life. When you look at the second coming of Jesus, that is the final word on your life. When you think about a thousand years of peace with God, that is the final word on your life. Not death, not a pink slip, not a diagnosis from a doctor. No, no, no. God does. And I'm glad today that death doesn't have the final word in my life. I hope you are seeing it today. That when a human king dies, Isaiah is seeing that there's a divine king. Right here, it's letting me know that when something has died, God is still on the throne. God is still king. God still succeeds, Dr. Ricky. God can still hold you up. And I don't know what the struggle is in your life today. But I came by here to convince you that God is still on the throne. 
that God is still in charge. That you don't have to look at what has died as the final situation on your life. But you can say, in the year that I got fired, God still sat on the throne. In the year that I lost it, God still sat on the throne. In the year that cancer came on my body, God came on the throne. In the year that I was a distance from church, hey, Elder Ernest, for three years, God is still sat on the throne. I don't know what it is today. I don't know what the struggle is, but the, the, the message is God is still on the throne. They think it. It's not the final thing in your life. You see, I, I had to smile at this because I was encouraged. I was inspired. I was uplifted. Because a lot of times I'm the kind of person, hear me now. I'm the kind of person that when something has died, I, I mourn a little long and a little strong. I don't know about you. When things die in my life, I, it doesn't hit me right away. It takes a little bit of time to click in my head that, okay, it's finally gone. I remember we, 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 we put my sister in the ground back there in 1998. And I saw my, my parents, they were, they were broken. I saw my mom and I saw my family, my, my older sisters and my brothers. Everybody was broken, but I didn't shed a tear. And we came back. From, from the kampung, because we typically bury people in the kampung back home. We came back, and, and it was a Sabbath, and, and my mom and everybody cooked good food, and, and we were there. And it was just a sad moment, but I, I couldn't really figure it out. What is going on? What is happening right here? Until one day, Sister Cardiga, I'm walking to school, and tears just started flooding my face. And for that moment, it hit me that I don't have an older sister no more. She's gone. Perhaps you are like me, that when the job is gone, you, you, don't, you don't really realize that the job is gone. The money is still in the account. Everything is still flowing. And then it hits you, oh, I'm not going to the office today. <laughs> I don't have to catch the Gojek or the busway. Oh, it's, it's actually over. Lord, is it over? Like, for real, for real? Perhaps it doesn't hit you when it's been said to you, it's over. And then you're about to send that text message, hey, good night. And oh, 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 it's, it's, it's over. Oh, yeah, you, you're about to get into, into the group chat. Oh, you, you've, been, you've been kicked out of the group. And then you realize, oh, it, it, it's, it's over. And you feel worse about the situation than you first felt. I don't know if there's somebody here today who is struggling like that, who is feeling like that. I came to let you know that God is still seated on the throne. And I want you to understand that in that moment, you must not see your reality as the final end. You must be able to see God. You must be able to look at God. And that's what Isaiah is trying to tell us today. Look at your God not your reality because your reality is going to bring you down your reality is going to make you feel depressed your reality is going to make you feel like you're the worst person in the world your reality is going to make you like you're no good for anything your reality is going to tell you oh you you can never make it but when you look at God it says you can make it you're going to get there God is still with you amen somebody talk back to me if you can that on those days when you don't understand you can see God beyond your reality. Uh, you see, Jesus said that no man has ever seen God at any time. So what is Isaiah saying that he saw God? Who is telling the truth? Jesus or Isaiah? You see, uh, Isaiah is speaking based upon his culture. In the Middle East, where he was from, 
a lot of times uh, people would speak of seeing somebody emphasizing that we have had a strong encounter. We're really, really connected. Are you feeling what I'm saying? I, I came out the door and as I was about to come back into, into the room, I, I saw Carlo and Carlo said, hey, pastor, what's up? And he got real close. You feel what I'm saying? And these days when you get real close, you're like, uh, you know what I mean? We get a little, a little, a little, a little scared. But in those times when people saw each other in the time of Isaiah, they would actually get so close, Dr. Ricky, that they could actually smell each other's breath. So Isaiah is saying to you and I, the encounter was intense. I really, really saw God, just like what, what, what boxers do when, when they face off each other. They, they look at each other straight in the face. That's what Isaiah is talking about right here, that I'm looking at God. I'm staring at him. I'm in his face. Now, you know, boxers, they stare each other down because they're beginning their psychological fight at that particular moment. They want to say, I'm going to take you out. They want to say, I'm going to beat you. So is Isaiah trying to tell God, God, we're about to fight. Like some of us, when things are going wrong, we're we ready to fight God. God, you promised. It didn't work out. God, you said it would be like this. God, you, we're ready to fight God. No, Isaiah is not trying to intimidate God. Isaiah is so intimidated by his problems that he has no other person to face than God himself. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that, so let me just run that by you one more time because you would have said amen. Isaiah is so intimidated by his problems that he is facing God because he's so intimidated. Is there somebody here who is intimidated by your problems? Is, it, is, is there something that is making you so afraid? Uh, that is making you so trepidatious? Uh, you're so intimidated, so afraid that you don't know what to do. Isaiah says when you're intimidated, you need intimacy with God. When you're intimidated, you need an interaction with God. You need to connect with God. You need to see God in that particular situation because he's going to help you get through. And brother and sister, I'll never let you, I'll never tell you don't be intimidated. In fact, fear is a part of the human existence. And if you're afraid, that's cool. But don't allow your fear to keep you from God. Don't allow the struggle to keep you from God. Don't allow the fact that you don't know how you're going to make it keep you from God. Don't allow the fact that some people have rejected you to keep you from God. No, you didn't ever say, God, I'm here. I'm going to look at you and you're going to take care of me. Because I know no other place to go but you. No other place to go but you. And is there somebody here today who's saying, Lord, I'm going to go to you because I have no other place to go to. Here's what I need you to catch today. While it is not possible to see God in person, it is possible to see him in a vision. I feel what I'm saying. When you enter buildings, you will see a mission, a vision, and values. You know what a vision does for you? It intends to aspire you. It intends to inspire you. It, it, it tells you that this company exists to do this, to do this, to do this. Are you feeling what I'm saying? And so Isaiah is trying to help us to understand that while we may not see God in, in, in person, but we can see God in a vision. And here the vision is God is sitting on the throne. And Isaiah is trying to let us know, my brother, my sister, be confident. 
don't be afraid. God is going to take care of the situation for you. And I don't know if you have seen a vision of God today. I don't know if you're able to say, you know what? When I was going through it, I, I saw God. When I didn't know how I'll pay for it, I saw God. When my disease was on my foot, I saw God. When I couldn't make it and discuss with the kids and they were rebelling against me, I saw God. When I couldn't go to anybody to pray for me, I saw God. When people talked about me, I saw God. When I didn't understand it, I saw God. When I was confused, I saw God. I saw him seated on the throne, Isaiah says. And it helped me to understand that I'm going to make it no matter what happens. Allow me to help you to see something here. Isaiah sees four things about God. He says, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. He says, I saw the Lord lofty and lifted up. He says, I saw the Lord, his train filled the temple. You see, in the original language, these four items are participles. You know what a participle is, right? <laughs> a participle is a word that is both a noun and a verb. So let me take you back to English class for a moment, Sister Regina. I know you have graduated already, but we're going to go to English class today for a second. You see, a participle is both a noun and a verb. It's a very unique term. Because you know, a noun names a place, a thing. For example, Pacific Place is a noun because it names this building. <laughs> but a noun, <clears throat> a noun is only functioning as a naming word. It just gives a name. <laughs> so Pacific Place needs us to come in order for it to function. Pacific Place cannot pick you up. In fact, if we are not here, we'll not have church. We are the ones who make Pacific Place go. I even want to say, that's what a noun does. But here we see that this is both noun and a verb. The verb part means action. So when we're looking at this text, we are seeing that it is both naming what God is able to do. But it's also defining what God is able to do. <laughs> it's saying to us that God is seated on the throne, yes, but he has power to act. It's saying God is lofty and lifted up, but he's not so high that he cannot come low. <laughs> it's saying to us that, yes, the train of his temple, the train of his robe is filling the temple meeting. That he's in touch. He's in touch. He is he's connected to our situation and so allow me to let you know that God is not only somebody who talks. God is somebody who walks. God is not only somebody who is in a NATO organization. No, no, no. God is able to take action. And the text says the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah is saying, God, you're up there. But praise your name, you are down here. God, Isaiah is saying, God, you're so holy. But praise the name, your name, that you are able to be in touch with my situation. And I don't know what it is for you today. I don't know what struggle it is for you today, but God is in touch. The train of his robe is filling your situation. Uh, Pastor, you don't understand about me. <laughs> my co-workers, oh, they're busting my behind. Uh, if I don't initiate, it won't happen. I came to let you know that God is in touch with that situation. Pastor, you don't understand. <laughs> my mom and my dad, we can never get along. The train of his robe is touching 
your situation. Pastor, you don't understand that these urges that I got going on in me. You know what I mean? I, I know I don't understand, you know. I'm not yet married and everything, but God gave me these urges. How, how do I handle that? God is in touch with that situation. Pastor, you don't understand. I just, I need a little bit of that CBD in my system. You know, Pastor, you don't understand what, what, I, what I'm going through. The text is saying that the train of his robe is filling uh, the temple. In other words, God sees you. God hears you. On the days when nobody's praying for you, God is right there, stuck with you. And I don't know if there's anybody today who's saying, Lord, I want to praise your name that I'm never alone. I want to praise your name that you are there looking out for me each and every day. People may turn their backs on me, but oh Lord, praise your name that you have never turned your back on me. Isaiah says, the train of his, of his robe is filling the temple, meaning that God is in a position to act. And that's what I want somebody to understand, that God is always in position to act. You might say, Pastor, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like what you're saying, but uh, it's been since high school that I went on a date. <clears throat> yeah, Pastor, I get it, but you see how unemployed I've been. It's been three years. <laughs> so what do you mean that God is going to act? Pastor, yeah, I get it that God does act, but I'm still facing disease. So where is this God of action that you're talking about? It's so interesting that <laughs> Isaiah uses the same language in, in verse 1 to describe somebody else. <clears throat> Notice what Isaiah says. He says, behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. When you do a little digging, you discover that this servant is quite unique. And when you go to chapter 53, you read a little bit about the servant. And this is what we read about the servant. He was despised and abandoned by man. Uh, by men. A man of great pain and familiar with sickness. And like one from whom people hid their faces. He was despised and we have no regard for him. I'm talking about Jesus. When the Lord says, I'm high and lifted up, he's saying, look at Jesus. He's also high and lifted up, but yet he came on earth. He acted on your behalf. And so shame on us to feel as if God has never acted. On the day when you feel like there's no movement in your life, on the day when you feel like there's no action in your life, I want you to look at the cross. Because for all time, uh, Dr. Ricky, God has acted. Amen. For all time, God has said, look at my son. Look at what I did. And if I can do that for you, why can't I take away your situation now? Why do you think I can't resolve your money problems? Why do you think I can't resolve that relational issue? Why do you think that the disease is still going to stay on you? Look at Jesus. Look at what I did through him. And so on your hardest days, on the days when you don't want to get up, on the days when you don't feel like you want to talk about it, look at Jesus. Because the text says he acted on our behalf. The text says that he was bruised. He was hit for our situations. He was, he, was, he was put in a place that we could never bear. But yet God is doing that for us. And so God is saying, I've acted and I will act and believe that I'll change your situation. I'm not doing it now because I have a purpose for you. 
when I was a little kid, my mom was very strict about eating times. Breakfast at 7 or 8. Lunch at 12. 4 p.m., snack. 6 p.m., food. I could not eat if it was not, it was not those times. I could clamor, but my mom says you got to wait. <laughs> Dr. Ricky, you're laughing because you feel it. <laughs> and what my mom was teaching me was wait for the time. Because whenever I ate before time, I never ate when it was on time. Oh, you didn't get that. <laughs> because I have eaten so many snacks and, and I put all that in my system. When it's time to eat nutritious food. I'm not able to do it because I filled stuff in me that is not useful for the time that God has allocated. And I need somebody here to understand that God is working on a specific schedule in your life. He's not going to allow you to eat the, the dream. He's not going to allow you to eat the, 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 the promotion unless you come to the place that it is on time. And unfortunately, too many of us are trying to eat before time. And, and, and what that does is it makes us have indigestion and it makes us not appreciate the things that God has prepared. And is there somebody there who is saying, Lord, I will wait on your time. I will, I will wait for the schedule. Yes, Lord, I will be patient to understand that in due time it's going to happen because I know that in the fullness of time, Jesus came and he died for my sins. And therefore, Lord, I don't see it yet, but I'm going to keep looking at you. I don't understand it yet, but I'm going to keep looking at you. And I don't know if there's somebody here today who is saying, I'm making that commitment, Lord. I'm deciding that, yes, Lord, I'm going to continue moving on. I'm going to continue trusting you no matter what happens. It's a good thing that Uzziah died. We all know about the Suharto era. In fact, some of us still talk about the Suharto era because times were good. In that era, Indonesia joined OPEC. I read from 1989 to 1997, the economy grew by 7%. I don't know if it was growing 7% every year or 7% in that time. But times were good. And some of you still talk about the Suharto era. <laughs> you see, when Uzziah was alive, it was the most prosperous time for the people of Judah. Let me just tell you a little bit about it. He was able to secure the territory of Judah. <clears throat> he was able to levy taxes from other nations. The nation was so secure that unlike the time of Gideon, the people didn't have to to hide under a wine press in order to harvest their crops. You know the story. People were free to harvest. People were free to, 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 to do their thing. And so when King Uzziah died, people thought that their prosperity also died. Come on now. We are just like that. And when something has ended, we are often tied to it that we think that life cannot go on because of what has died. Are you feeling what I'm saying? We are so tied to it that when it is over, we say, Lord, my life is over. And I know somebody's at that place today. You're looking at what has ended as the, 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 the final end. And right here, God is trying to teach Isaiah something. No, it's not the king that is giving you prosperity. And please understand, it is not the job. It is not the family. It is not the people in your life. It is not because of education. No, no, no. It is God. And sometimes God has to allow it to die for you to be able to see him in a different way. 
And so right here, God is saying to Isaiah, Isaiah, don't look at Uzziah. Look at me. Face me. Because I'm going to put another king after him. So that's going to be fine. But I want you to prioritize who is number one in your life. Is it a king or is it me? And somebody today, everyone needs to prioritize God. Needs to be able to say, you know what? Uzziah can die. Uzziah can go away. I don't care about Uzziah. But as long as I have a king sitting on the throne, I'm good. <laughs> I don't know if you're feeling me today yet. I'm still working hard today, everyone. Nobody's saying amen today. You see, I want somebody to understand that God is calling you to find him in this season. You see what, you know what Uzziah means? Uzziah means God is my strength. It's interesting that a man whom is called God is my strength dies. Because human beings can never be your strength. If we've learned something about this pandemic season is that these protocols and masks and vaccines, they are good, they're important, I believe in them. But we know that they are not the final protection. People have died and caught COVID because of that. God is trying to let us know, no, no, it's not the mask protecting you. <laughs> That's not your strength. Some of us we say, I have a strong personality. I'm very good with numbers. Now, that's not your strength. God is your strength. And the reason why God has to let it die is because sometimes we are so tethered to it. Like how we tether our cell phones. We are so tethered to it. We don't see life outside of that. And God has to say, no, no, no. It has to die. And when it has died, that is when faith can live. When it has ended, that is when now you can say, you know what, Lord, I have nothing else to go to. I have nothing else to lean upon. And therefore, I have only you to go to. And here is the first beyond reality concept. When it dies, faith is going to live. Isaiah says, oh, the king is gone. The king is dead. No, no, no. There's still a king on the throne. Uh, let me talk about this because last Sabbath we, we had communion. <clears throat> And Deacon Jack, I'm going to talk about you right now. Deaconess uh, Danik, I'm going to talk, talk about you right now. Because I want to appreciate these people. Amen. <clears throat> the, the two people I've just mentioned. Because without them, we wouldn't have had what we have right here. They, they, they put it together. They worked hard to make it happen. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, all week, Sister Danik was calling me, telling me, Pastor, we have enough. We have enough. We have enough. I was convinced we had enough. While I was preaching the word, Deacon Jack passed the note to me. But Elder Irwin, in the heat of the moment, I was not able to see the note. Because what Deacon Jack wanted me to do was for me to finish preaching, the special number to sing, and then the service is over. Because that is always what we have always done when we have communion. The preacher preaches, the singer sings, we pray. And typically those who didn't come for communion, they leave and they go home. So they said, Pastor, I think we need to apply the same strategy because the bread and the wine is not enough for everybody that has come. But guess when I saw the note when I was already seated right here. So some of you saw my head down. I wasn't praying. I was thinking, what is going to happen? It clicked in my head. God multiplied fishes and loaves. And everybody ate. And I said to myself, everybody is going to eat today. 
And everybody ate last Sabbath. You should have said a lot of amen than that. Everybody ate last Sabbath. Amen, somebody. But the plan that we had, everyone had to die. In order for God to work. What has to die today for God to work? What has to die today for you to be able to live beyond your reality? For you to say, Lord, you can do it. Lord, you have the power. It's not my plan. It's not my KPI. It's not my medicine. Lord, you are able to do it. How did you walk on water? Come on now, play my brother. How did you walk on water, Lord? I don't know how you did it, but today you're going to do it in my life. I'm killing and destroying the boat. Lord, it's not my qualification that is going to get me the job. I have the PhD, I have the MBA, I have the BA, but that's not what's going to get me the job. I'm not going to lean on my qualifications. Let it die, Lord. Who has to die for faith to live? You see, unless you get to that place, pay my brother, unless you get to that place, you are always going to be living in reality. And that's not good enough for you. It's not good enough for me. I want to be able to say, in the year that it died, I saw the Lord. And I was so convinced that he's going to take me to the top. Let it go. So God can grow your faith. It's not only that Uzziah had to die, but Isaiah himself had to die. He says, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of unclean people with unclean lips. You see, we look at Uzziah, yes, he had to die, but Isaiah had to die also because he was no better than Uzziah. And please never get it twisted. You're never better than the next man. And I will tell you today, I'm not better than you and you're not better than me. And so sometimes God has to say, you know what? It's not the job that has to die. It's not the family that has to die. It's not your plan that has to die. It's you who has to die. Your pride has to die. Your temper has to die. Your negative thinking has to die. Your complaining has to die. Your lips have to die. So what has to die today for you to be able to live beyond reality? You see, it's going to start when you let it die. Somebody today needs to be able to say, Pastor, I want it to die. And for somebody dying is giving your life over to Jesus. We're going to have another baptism in June. Perhaps you want to be a part of that. For some of you, letting it die is simply trusting God more. And you're saying, I don't trust God. I doubt his word, but today I want to trust God. Is anybody like that? I want to, I want to trust God. I'm not going to live. Come on, raise your hand. I'm not going to live on my plans. and no, I'm going to let it die, man. <laughs> I got God sitting on the throne. 
Let me calm somebody right now. You see, even though Uzziah died, Ahaz came on the throne. We're going to talk about him next week. He came on the throne. And the beautiful thing about it is this. God is telling uh, Isaiah, we still need a king. So don't worry. You still need a job. You still need a family. So I'm not saying you have to allow those things to go. No, I'm simply saying, can you prioritize God? Can he be above your job? Can he be above your family? Can he be above your habits? Can he be number one in your life? Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Father God, we know that it has to die, whatever it is. We are tired, Lord, of uh, depending on things that sometimes keep us stuck in reality. We see that we have to live beyond reality. And we're asking you, Father, to help us to do that today. Whatever it is that has to die, Lord, help us to kill it. We need your grace. We need your power and your strength. Without the Lord, we can't make it. So help us now. For this we pray in the awesome and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. You see, I know that that word spoke to you and it resonated with you at some point. And you would like to respond to it. And I want to let you know that you can do that right now. Perhaps you want to do Bible studies to know more about Jesus Christ. Perhaps you want to be baptized. Perhaps you just want to recommit your life to Jesus. Please text us on the number on the screen. I'll be more than happy to respond to you and to your needs. May God bless you and take care of you. And I must see you very soon.